This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 76. In today's episode, we talk about the COVID-19 pandemic as a giant reset button and our intention to support healthcare organizations in creating healthy work cultures, leveraging our healthy healing organization framework so they can be the best places to give and receive care. Stay tuned. Hi, healthcare leaders. I'm Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Trosett. We're your hosts for Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, and we are so grateful you joined us today. You're about to see healthcare problems and challenges through a brand new lens and take your leadership to a whole new level with this podcast. We've coached healthcare leaders from across North America for over 30 years as they strive to establish healthy healing organizations and thriving work cultures. This is the only podcast that shows healthcare leaders how to apply polarity thinking the missing logic in healthcare to their reoccurring challenges so they can stop wasting time, money, and resources on fixes that fail. If you want to create a healthy healing organization where staff and leaders thrive and perform at their highest level, where values are aligned, outcomes are sustainable, and the highest quality of care is delivered, then this podcast is for you. Keep listening. Each week, you're going to learn how to leverage a polarity mindset and manage competing priorities as we use a polarity lens to explore everyday challenges with the leaders who are striving to manage them. We're thrilled you're here. Well, hello, everybody. This is Tracy. And Michelle. Welcome back. Yeah, back for another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic. Podcast. <laughs> Is that what we're doing here today, Michelle? That's what we're doing. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. Yes. All right. Well, let's get the ball going, right? Let's let's roll. Let's do this let's thing. Let's roll. Yeah. And, you know, here we are again today, and we are going to be talking about COVID. <laughs> do you think there'll ever be a time where we're not talking about COVID? Can't imagine it right now. It's sort of a running theme, isn't it? It is. <laughs> For everyone. Yeah, yeah. But in today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the pandemic and how it's really been a giant reset button, right? Especially for the healthcare system. And we're going to talk a little bit about building resilience um, for individuals, leaders, and healthcare organizations. And then we're going to introduce you to something new and exciting, which is our Healthy Healing Organization, or H2O, framework. Right. The H2O framework. Yeah. Because, you know, well, in April, all right, like so long ago, April, we kind of did the COVID pivot. I think that sounds like a dance, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. There was a lot of people doing the COVID pivot in April, (laughs) and we were one of them, right? And really, it was about giving attention uh, to supporting the healthcare leaders so they could develop, you know, resilience and balance in their lives and the face of COVID and all the change and chaos and instability. And at that time, we introduced our listeners to the dynamic balance effect framework. We did. Yeah. And uh, and so since April, we have been doing a lot to support healthcare leaders on their journey to work-life balance and becoming thriving, resilient healthcare leaders. And we've rolled out a number of really successful programs around that. Um, but at the same time, you know, healthcare organizations and systems have been significantly impacted by COVID-19 as well. Yes, they have, Tracy. You know, so it has been remarkable what we've been able to do since our April pivot with leaders. It's been so exciting. 
But as you said, the healthcare organization systems as a whole are greatly impacted as well. Um, and probably at the top of the list is the significant financial deficits. I mean, the economic impact has been incredible. Oh, yeah. And um, then you need to look at the workforce as a whole. We've been working at the individual level, um, but when you look at the workforce as a whole, the entire workforce is getting burned out and they're facing post-traumatic stress disorders now, a lot of depression. And to your point earlier, COVID's not going away, right? So it's just always there and we're always dealing with it. Um, And so now we're facing just that whole potential dual pandemic where you're managing the COVID and now you're managing the workforce dealing with all of these issues of the post-COVID pandemic. um, And the response, right? The response, the human response to it, right? Yeah, Yeah, and they were burned out to start with. So They were. So, and we know... As before COVID, but even more so now, there is no quick fix to all of this, right? These challenges are not problems that can be solved. No silver bullet for this one. Nope. So there is multiple layers of challenges in this. Oh, yeah. It goes, Everybody. <laughs> it goes deep. Yeah, it does. And it impacts everyone, right? Mm-hmm. It just, it absolutely impacts everyone. So when we really look at the healthcare clinicians, they have been through so much. You know, they have seen things and done things that they never imagined. No. And we have not been at the bedside for a while, but I periodically put myself in their shoes or try to, and it's like, I can't imagine going through what they're going through. No, me either. And uh, they're faced daily to this, you know, the virus, the potential of getting the virus, the the potential of the next surge, you know, just all of that is always there for them. And, Passing it on to their loved ones or yes. other people because they've been exposed without, you know, knowing it maybe. Right, right. That can happen too. And uh, there's just a lot of anxiety over the lack of adequate protection equipment, um, making sure they have the right supplies to keep themselves safe, uh, and just actually exhausted from working the number of hours um, in dealing and fighting the pandemic. And it feels like a war zone, some people say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so a lot of things going on, thinking about their family, protecting their families for weeks at a time, and just the whole impact that has on families and just experienced uh, moral distress due to they're unable to maintain their standards of quality of care because of all of these issues. So moral distress is certainly up there for the healthcare clinicians as well. So it's a lot of trauma taking its psychological toll, um, you know, on the whole healthcare workforce. And uh, there's really little relief on the horizon. Um, and that's what leads it it leads everyone to the possibility of post-traumatic stress syndrome. Yeah. 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 It's been, it's, you know, for the, the frontline staff, especially, this has just been very traumatic, right? Right. Right. But the leaders have been facing their challenges as well. Yes, they have. And um, they've experienced significant levels of ongoing stress and trauma as well. They have uh, had to prepare for or manage massive influx of patients, the shortages of ventilators, the PPE equipment, you know, like, and uh, and then their resources have been diminished, right? Mm-hmm. And so in the face of surges and other things, like now they're trying to figure out, you know, what do we do now? Um, they've worked exhausting numbers of hours, making significant 
changes, continuous changes, right, in operations and processes and policies. They've struggled with communicating, right? They've had contradictory information or inconsistent information at times, especially in the initial phases of the pandemic where there was so much unknown. Um, every and, day, yeah, every day, <laughs> every single day, right? Yeah. I mean, and just just think about that when you put yourself in their shoes and, you know, information is coming at you constantly. You're trying to communicate it before you can communicate it. It's changing. I mean, it's like to be that leader and try to be providing accurate, adequate information to the staff, right? It's just, it's just mind-blowing. I can't even imagine being in those shoes. And, well, as one leader even put it, right, it's like living through that, the initial phases of the pandemic were like, you know, experiencing a loss of gravity, right? Yeah. There was just nothing stable, nothing you know, holding them, grounding them, right? Because everything was changing all the time. Yeah, their whole world changed. Yeah, and then throughout the whole thing, the healthcare leaders worked tirelessly, mm-hmm. right, to instill hope, to reassure, to support the healthcare workforce, and they continue to do that every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so let's take it up another level to hospitals and healthcare systems. You know, they're definitely seeing the impact of COVID-19. And according to a study from the American Hospital Association, uh, American hospitals and health systems, they're facing historical catastrophic financial challenges. You know, just due to the COVID-19 effect on costs, it's had great implications in the cost of supplies, mm-hmm. um, loss of revenue from canceled surgeries, um, and just the patients weren't coming in, right? So that has an economic impact. And uh, additional costs associated with purchasing PPE and costs for providing additional support to employees because many of them had to get very innovative and creative how to bring the workforce in by offering childcare and transportation services, hotels. So that was a lot of additional costs as well. Yeah. So the American Hospital Association estimated in May in a report that they released that hospitals and healthcare systems in the U.S. are facing losses of an average of $50.7 billion per month. That's amazing. That's an astounding number, isn't it? It is. It is. It's mind-boggling, really, to think about that. So that kind of covers the current state of, you know, healthcare organizations, leaders, and staff. But, you know, really, when we get drilled down to some of the very specific challenges they face, Michelle, you know, we've got, of course, we've got this big umbrella of the COVID-19 pandemic and the threats of surges. And that's that's an overarching mm-hmm. challenge across, right, all three of those, right, the clinicians, the leaders, and the organizations. But even before the pandemic, there were challenges that were faced, um, you know, and these are like, some of these challenges are kind of, you know, external to the individuals themselves. I mean, these are things they don't necessarily have control over, right? So like clinician burden due to technology usability, right? And the struggles Mm -hmm. they had with that, Um, excessive and demanding workloads and limited job resources, right? To help them do their jobs to begin with. So Mm -hmm. that was already happening before the pandemic ever occurred. Um, And then, you know, we've got leaders sitting on pins and needles, right? Holding their breath, concerned about what's coming next, right? It's like, (sighs) right? Right, right. When's the surge coming? What's going to happen, right? Will we have enough resources? Will we have enough staff? You know, it's like this constant waiting for that other shoe to drop, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's It's like they've been through it once, so there's a little bit of what to expect, 
But there's still so much unknown for them. Yeah. Well, and some in the hot spots faced it much more significantly than others. So some have yet right. to have had a really full-blown oh. experience with it. They're feeling fairly prepared, but still not sure they are because they haven't experienced it, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they, you know, and now they've got limited resources. They furloughed a lot of staff, right? So it's like, do we ramp up? What do we do, right? Mm-hmm. From a resource perspective. And just managing the stress of that constant unknown and waiting, right? Waiting for it to happen. Um, and then just, you know, there's all the shortages, right? With the the workforce, the healthcare workforce right now as well. And then all of that creates this kind of like internal strife, right? So then that's where you get the burnout from that ongoing stress. You can't get away from it. We've talked about that before. There's nowhere yeah. to go. And especially if you're in healthcare and you're a healthcare leader because you're the one right on the front line of this. And, uh, and then just that the whole significance of burnout and depression and the link to suicidal ideation and suicides. And we know we've had, you know, that's been reported as well, right? And, and then just, you know, that the whole mental health piece. And as we talked about before, the, the potential for PTSD yeah. and, and then just that moral distress of, mm-hmm. you know, not mm-hmm. being able to do what you signed up to do and feeling so responsible, right? Yeah. For, yeah for the care delivery that you're providing. Yeah, it's huge. It is. It's huge. It's it's huge. It's just adding, you know, fuel to the fire, folks. <laughs> fuel yeah. to the fire. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, it has such implications for healthcare organizations because they're the place where, you know, patients come to for safe care and they have, they're dealing with COVID-19, they're dealing with the workforce issues and, um, Burnout leads to medical errors. I mean, there's a lot of studies that have proven that, and uh, it contributes to unprofessional behavior in the workplace, right? Over time, that constant dripping of the pressure that you're talking about, you can have outbursts of unprofessional behavior. And then that leads to um, poor patient experiences, um, poor patient satisfaction, and overall poor quality of care. So it has a lot of implications. That burnout can lead to a lot of other things within the healthcare organization. It also can have profound impacts on staffing. Um, because when you're burnt, we have a burned out workforce, you know, absenteeism becomes a real issue, right? Oh, just, yeah. A lot of call-ins. A lot of call-ins. I just can't take it one more day. Um, a lot of mental health days, right? Yeah. We're going to take a mental health day. <laughs> but literally, they are, they right? They are. They are, right? I used to say that in jest, but nowadays, it's happening. It right? sure is. It sure is. And uh, the inability to be fully present with patients you know, we talk about absenteeism. Well, now it's hard to be presenteeism because you got so much on your mind and you're under so much stress all the time. Uh, definitely impacts productivity when you're dealing with a burned out staff, right? And uh, turnover, clinicians are leaving the profession. And just this, again, the significant financial impacts for hospitals and healthcare systems can't be understated. Um so that really brings up a really interesting dilemma that healthcare organizations are in now, and that is, in spite of it all, now is a the time to invest in your work culture, right? Even under these economic times, and uh, because it's really about their accountability to the system and the culture, along with every individual's accountability as well. 
Right, right. Well, and it, it impacts the quality of care, which is the mission of the healthcare organizations and systems, right? Is to provide mm-hmm. quality care to their communities. And if you don't have a workforce or, you know, a culture that really supports a strong, healthy workforce, it's going to have an impact on your business overall. And healthcare is a business. I mean, that's just the reality of yep. it, right? So missing logic has been helping individuals kind of hit the reset button, right, since April. And uh, now it's time to provide organizations with some guidance as well. You know, the bandwidth to address these challenges is starting to increase, right, where before when COVID was, you know, just really starting to spread, there just wasn't any bandwidth for for, for organizations to do any kind of work around their culture, right? They were in crisis mode and doing what they needed to do. And so now the bandwidth is broadening. And uh, however, they're facing some of the worst financial challenges, as you mentioned previously, that they've Mm -hmm. ever faced, right? And leaders have to make really difficult decisions to manage the costs and decisions around things that are going to provide a lasting positive impact in their organizations. But addressing the work culture may or may not be on their list of priorities, but the cost of not addressing that work culture is going to have an impact beyond what we can even comprehend today. And so it's imperative really for leaders to invest in their work cultures, learn new skills that enable them to kind of see these challenges for what they really are and elevate their thinking around them. So they're not trying to to address the current issues with old patterns of thinking, old approaches, right? There's this is gonna call for innovation and a reset, mm-hmm. a different approach, a different way. Right. And that that's really being called for at the national level, right, Tracy? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the whole National Academy of Medicines. Um you know, they're really had put the call out there before the pandemic, but even now so with the dual pandemic, it's like we we can't ignore this. We can't ignore the implications this is going to have. And that's why we um, have our Healthy Healing Organization, or H2O framework, um, along with our coaching and consulting services. And it really helps healthcare organizations transform from the inside out to combat burnout by creating healthy work cultures. So this is really now for you healthcare organizations, you know, and really looking at what are we going to do now with this aftermath and really having to address our work cultures. And the H2O framework consists of three distinct pillars. And the first one is people. Healthy healing organizations really begins with the people who make up the organization. Um, And we support transformation at the individual level by addressing core values, principles, personal and professional development necessary for a healthy work culture. Right. Right. And after 30 years of doing this work pre-pandemic, Tracy, what are some of our key lessons that that we are bringing out with the H2O framework? Well, I think one of the, for me, one of the top things is leadership, right? Yes. Leadership makes or breaks the culture, makes or breaks the organization. And if you are trying to develop a healthy work culture, it's not something a leader can opt out of. I've worked in organizations where leaders, you know, different leaders just decided they weren't on board. They weren't aligned with the greater purpose and they just didn't participate, right? They didn't support it. They didn't. Uh, advocate for it. And so, you know, that can have a significant, significant impact on the organization as a whole. So this is something that you want to um, engage the leadership 
in the processes, engage them in this greater purpose that we're all striving towards, right? And right, that, right. that this isn't about me as an individual <clears throat> leader. I may have areas I need to grow in, right, when it comes to healthy work cultures, um, but I can contribute and I have a responsibility, right, to be a role model for my staff and for the organization. Yeah. We sure learned that lesson. Oh, we did over and over and over in many organizations we were yeah. in. We saw that happening, and yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And the other, the other thing too that we just have really learned is healthcare. Um, you know, the healthy work cultures really starts with each person within the organization, oh, yeah. right? So. You have to make the space for self-work for individuals, but individuals need to have the accountability for that self-work. But it's really that greater purpose that you mentioned that it just makes space for it, right? And yes. then together we can get there. And um, so it's really, it really is about the people, it the is. leaders, but it's about every person doing their own work. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you just have to recognize that that's important. Yeah. Right. It's it's part and whole. You you can't change an organization without the individuals within the organization having their own transformation at the same time. That's where the power sits. That's where it sits. That's, That's where right. It sits. And you can do that. I think what we're trying to bring to is that you can do that without, you know, a significant amount of effort. Like, you know, it's the small things that it make is. the difference. It's yeah. the small things. Yeah. It sure is. Well, our second pillar is processes. And uh, these are critical components of work organi- the work organization, organizational strategies that support a healthy healing work culture. And what we do is we guide leaders in evaluating the work processes, the infrastructures, and tools that enhance or inhibit a positive work environment. So again, I think we're taking our years of experience and looking at it through that lens to really um, help organizations examine their processes. Yeah. Well, and I think here, too, this is about behavior changes, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it starts with every person, but also you need to have structures, you need to have processes, the tools in the organization that are going to guide the behavior in the way that you want it to evolve, right? And when you have those kinds of tools or or processes, then it brings everybody right into the same flow yep. and taking the same approach. And it just guides that behavior, which then contributes right to the shift in the organization. So we've had a lot of a lot of experience in working with healthcare organizations over the years around those kinds of um, processes and tools and and the significance of that and the difference it makes. Yep. With an eye on sustainability, mm-hmm. I think. You know, mm-hmm. to get us out of the quick fix loop (laughs) and some of those infrastructures and the way they're designed uh, can really help with that. Right. And designed for relationships and partnerships and meaningful conversation and not just, you know, the task at hand. Exactly. Right. Which are the things that drive the changes in the organizations. Well, the third pillar is performance. And uh, we've identified eight crux diagnostic variables, which happen to be polarities. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) And that when measured, monitored, and managed over time, help prevent the chronic imbalances that result in that wasted time, money, and resources, right? And instead, it leads to sustainable outcomes that support professional well-being, that positive work environment, and ultimately 
helps organizations become the very best place for the clinicians to give care and the very best place for patients to receive care. And that's the ultimate goal, right? It sure is. That's the greater purpose. Hmm. You want the best place to work and you want everybody to want to come there to get their care. I mean, that's what every hospital or healthcare system wants, right? Mm-hmm. But measuring the polarities is key to being able to manage them. And as Peter Drucker says, if you can't measure it, you can't change it. And so this is like a really strong pillar for us because we believe so deeply in that you're not going to be able to change um, what you're not measuring, right? How would you know where you are, right? To be able to make the changes that you need. And that's why we use the H2O polarity assessment and we use it as a benchmark measure, then a real-time metric and diagnostic mechanism, and then a scorecard for the healthcare organizations to monitor over time and compare, right, to each other is how, how they're um, yeah, exactly. progressing. Yeah, it really helps them to stay the course and to course correct, and it's a valuable diagnostic tool. Yeah, and so it really it gives leaders that capability to guide the transformation of their organization. When you think about culture is not really easy to measure, and the the polarity assessment makes it visible, kind of gives you a, a, yeah. the ability to put your thumb on the pulse, right, right, of the organization and the culture, and to guide that transformation to see where where you're being successful to assess and reassess specific strengths and know what your limitations are. Leverage those real-time diagnostics to really visualize the current and evolving status of the organization. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's really exciting to be able to see the invisible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. It, it just is so helpful. And we would really uh, invite you to visit our website to learn more about the H2O framework and the H2O polarity assessment um, because it is it is the guiding tool to really help leaders navigate those tensions, those crux tensions within the organization. And we've seen the risk if you don't. Okay, folks, <laughs> we've seen it for many, many years. And um, it will impact so many things within the organization if, if uh, there isn't a real clear strategy around the performance pillar. Uh, for example, inability to recruit or retain staff and leaders. And that has, that's very costly. Um, to lose people and then bring them back in. And um, also it has a great impact on the quality of patient care. Um, And overall, you're going to really uh, impact your confidence in uh, patients coming to your organization, the reputation reputation of your organization, and uh, the costs of just people leaving and more and more absence that occur. And what happens over time with all of these things that are not managed well is it's a repetitive challenge that you're faced with. And we that's where we see the wasted time, money, and resources on fixes that fail or the result of the organization's false choices on one choice over the other. They're mm-hmm. not seeing the end in both. Right, right. And it's just that, you know, without that healthy work culture and work environment, that's just this is where you end up. Right. 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 And you just repeat those same problems. And we how many times have we been at the table, Michelle, to have people talking about the same issue over, over and, and over, over and over. And they even say, Didn't we just talk about this a year or two ago? Didn't we put something in place to manage this a short time ago? And they're not realizing what they're dealing with here. That's why these crux tensions, these, you know, these yep. metrics are so important. Um, And what's to be gained when you do this work, invest in your organization, in the healthy work culture and environment? Well, 
as we said before, it's that greater purpose, right? You actually become that best place to give care, that best place to receive care. You have, you know, improved improved use of resources because you're not revisiting the same challenges all, you know, over and over and over and wasting your time on that. Um, you have increased efficiencies. People are working together differently and better, right? Right. And right. Uh, I mean, when you when you are in an environment that is positive and people are happy to be there, right? The energy is different. Their productivity is different. The efficiencies improve. Um, and then there's just that, you know, decrease in cost because you don't have that repetition, duplication. You have increase in retention. Your people are staying. You have the longevity of the employees, right? Yeah, because the results of the assessment impact your strategy, which leads to these improvements. Mm-hmm. That's the connection. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, polarities are like gravity, right? So they're all around us. They're working on us all the time. We can't always identify what it is, right? But we can feel the tension. And so with the assessment, right, it makes those, um, it helps that experience of the crux polarities become actionable and visible, right? And it gives leaders that clarity on the organizational strategies that merit prioritization, We hear over and over how leaders are just struggling with all the priorities, right? The competing priorities. Well, many of the priorities may not even be necessary Mm -hmm. if you're not looking at the challenges you're facing through the appropriate lens and assessing them, right? With the the appropriate tools. So um, this is just essential to increasing you know, their ability to prioritize the appropriate strategies uh, in complex environments where they're dealing with these competing priorities over and over. Yeah, so it's our hope and our vision that all healthcare organizations are healthy healing organizations, right? And that they all have employees that can perform at their highest level, feel aligned with their purpose, and deliver the highest quality care. Yeah. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's right. That's Who's a, with us? Yeah. <laughs> Get on board. Get on board the train. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that is our episode on introducing the H2O framework. And uh, we think we delivered a good case of why it's so important right now. And we just want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us for another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. Yep. Stay safe and strong and healthy. See you next time. Thanks as always for listening to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We'd love to hear and answer your questions. If you have questions, you can email us at questions at missinglogic.com and we may include your question in a future episode. You can find show notes and links at our website, www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you're the kind of leader who wants to help others, then share this podcast with your peers and other healthcare leaders. We're certain if you found value in it, they will too. Please share this on your social media channels and leave us a review in iTunes. If you don't know how to leave a review, you can find instructions on our website at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast.